0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Have you ever felt like you needed a fresh start? maybe a do-over? Well, so did Simon Peter after he denied Jesus. In today's message entitled, A God of Second Chances, John will show us how Jesus can restore us just as he did Peter.
1: I think about what Jesus said to Simon Peter right before he was crucified on that cross. He said, Peter, you are about to deny that you even know me. And Peter said, Lord, I would never do something like that. If I have to die because of my faith in you, I would rather die than to deny you. And yet, we know the story that Peter did deny that he knew Jesus on three separate occasions. He said, I don't know this man. And after that third denial, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter saw Jesus. They made eye contact. And Peter was so broken over his sin. The Bible says he wept bitterly. And Peter thought To himself, there's absolutely no way that God could ever use me again as a minister, as a preacher, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ because this sin I have committed is so bad that even though I know God will forgive me And even though God did forgive him, Peter still had a hard time forgiving himself. He had a hard time accepting God's forgiveness, and he thought his days of serving the Lord were over. Now, if you'll open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 21, that is the background for the passage of Scripture we're going to be studying this morning. Peter is forgiven. He knows Jesus has forgiven him, but he's thinking to himself, my life will never be what it could have been. God will never be able to use me like he could could have if I had not committed this terrible sin of denying Jesus Christ. And so today we're thinking about the subject of restoration. Now all of us here today believe in forgiveness and we're so grateful that God forgives us of all of our sins and we hear a lot about forgiveness and we should. But we don't hear as much about this idea of restoration. That seems to be a topic you just don't hear talked about quite as much. But restoration is a very important teaching in the Scriptures. Now, we're going to be in John 21 in just a minute, but I want to give you a Scripture verse to write down. I want to read it to you, and then we'll go back to John 21. But write this verse down. In Galatians chapter 6 and in verse number 1, Paul is writing to a group of Christians in the region of Galatia, and basically what Paul is saying to them is, hey, none of us is perfect. We all sin. We all sometimes do things we know are wrong and, and we feel badly about it. And Paul was saying... In, in the body of believers there in Galatia, you're going to sin yourself, but also other people are going to sin. And they're going to do things that are not right. And when that happens, you don't need to judge them or point your finger at them or say, I told you so. None of that. Paul said what you need to do is to be a restorer. You need to be a healer. You need to help fallen believers find their way back. So just write the reference down. Galatians 6.1, Paul said, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, in other words, he's guilty of some sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So, Paul said, Your job when someone else has fallen or sinned or done something wrong is not to judge them, not to talk behind their back, not to do any of that. Your job is to restore them. Now, back in Bible times, that word restore was a familiar word to everybody because that was the word that doctors would use when they would reset a broken bone. And so, if you could just use your imagination and let these two hands of mine represent a bone, maybe in your arm, maybe your leg bone, but there is the bone and something happens and a person breaks his bone. And so they go to the doctor. Sometimes the doctor can just pop that bone back in place. Sometimes if it's more complex, there has to be a surgery involved, but nonetheless, in time, a good doctor will be able to take a broken bone and reset it. And put it back in place. And we all know that when a broken bone heals, it's stronger than it was before it was ever broken. Now what Paul is saying is, what sometimes happens to an arm or a leg also happens to people. We all sin. We all mess up. None of us is perfect. And so Paul said to the Galatians, here's what you have to do. When somebody has a broken spiritual bone, part of your responsibility as a Christian is to help reset that bone, put that bone back in place, help that person not only experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but help that person experience restoration. That is where they are restored or brought back to the place they were before that sin ever happened. And in John 21, which is what we're saying today in the life of Peter, that's exactly what Jesus did. Peter had a broken spiritual bone, and yet Jesus went out of his way to reset that bone so that Peter would be just as strong after his sin had been forgiven as he had been before he had ever sinned. So first thing I would say to you today is Jesus is all about restoration. And today, people listening to this message, you may need, maybe you have committed some sin and you just feel like God could never use me. Maybe it's a sin you committed last month. Maybe it's a sin you committed 25 years ago. But you think my life will never be what it could have been had I not committed that sin. Well, if you think about that statement, what you're really saying is that your sin is greater than God's grace. And the Bible teaches the opposite. The Bible teaches that God's grace is greater than our sin. Now, we see this grace in motion in John 21, beginning in verse number 1. And so, again, this is after the resurrection and before Jesus returned to heaven. One of the things he wanted to do, just like we saw last week, he wanted to help Thomas overcome his doubts. Two weeks ago, he wanted to help Mary overcome her sadness. Today, he's he's spending time, we see, helping Peter get over his guilt and shame and regret and all the rest. So here's what it says. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's another name for the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. And here we read the names of seven disciples who have gone kind of back into the fishing business. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his, others of his disciples. They're all together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. See, Peter was their leader. And wherever Peter went, that's where they were going to follow. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, now that's the Apostle John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first two times had been in Jerusalem when those disciples were behind closed doors and Jesus had walked through those doors to encourage them. Now we find Jesus 70 miles to the north. He's on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He knows that Peter is feeling guilty and shameful and like his life can never count again. He goes to Peter, and he begins the process of restoration. Now, before we get more into this story, you still listen? Say amen. I want to just make clear to you today, whatever it is in your life that is broken, one of the things God wants to do is reset that. It may be you feel broken today because of some sin in your life. Well, God wants not only to forgive the sin, He wants to restore you to where you were before you did that sin. Maybe for you today, it's not. it's not so much a sin, maybe you're broken emotionally, or you're broken in your health, or maybe you're broken, you've lost your joy. Well, God wants to restore all that. You see, the devil in all of our lives wants to take away all the good things that God has given us. But God is a restorer. One of my favorite verses in Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, it says that God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. You may feel like, but for whatever reason, you have lost years of your life. God can restore that. God can restore lost joy. What David pray in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So here's David going along in his life. He had joy. Things happen. He lost his joy. What did God do? God restored his joy. So whatever it is today that you used to have, maybe it's strong faith Maybe it's courage, maybe it's vision, maybe it's excitement, enthusiasm, creativity, peace, joy. Whatever it is that you used to have, hope for the future, that for whatever reason has been broken, you've lost that. The good news is God wants to restore it. He wants to give that back to you. Jesus is always in the business of restoring to us What we have, for whatever reason, lost. Now, as we think about Peter's case, and as we come back primarily today to the idea of being restored because we've sinned in some way, one of the things that's obvious in this passage is this. In the process of restoration, Jesus is not concerned with the sin you committed in the past that caused you to be broken. He's not concerned with it if you've repented of it and He's forgiven you, so that's in the past. He's never going to bring it up. The scripture says God doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He cast our sins behind his back. As far as the east is from the west, he has separated our sins from us. He forgets our sins. Our sins are blotted out of his book. They're not even in his mind. So once you've been forgiven of your sins, God's not concerned about that sin anymore. What God is concerned about is the condition of your heart right now. Now, think about that. You see, one of the reasons people stay broken is the devil keeps reminding you of some sin you committed back as a teenager or in college or whenever it was, and you just feel so bad about that. But if that sin's under the blood, that sin's gone, and Jesus says to you today, quit thinking about that sin. I'm not thinking about it. I've removed that sin. What I want you to focus on now is the condition of your heart, and that's what he did for Peter. Look in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And by the way, when he said these, more than likely he was talking about the fish. He's out there catching all these fish, 153 fish. For Peter, fish represented his job, his source of income, his financial security, his future retirement... I mean, this, his whole life, not only that, it represented his family because he and his brother Andrew were fishermen together. And certainly somebody who had fished as long as he had, it represented something he enjoyed doing. So we could say for Peter, fishing was not only his job, it was his hobby. And so Jesus said, Peter, here's what I'm interested in. I'm here to restore you. I've already forgiven you. I'm I'm here today to put you back in the ministry, to make you back whole, to help you to understand that I have a future hope for you. I have things for you to do. You've got a life out there yet to live. But the thing I need to know is, do you love me more than your job, than the money your job provides, the security your job provides? The retirement your job provides and the enjoyment your job provides and even the fact that you get to spend time with your brother while doing your job. See, what Jesus had, when Jesus first called Peter, and we'll see this a little bit later, he said to Peter, in order for you to follow me, you've got to leave all that. You've got to leave the fishing business and, you've, and everything that that represents has now got to become secondary in your life to your love for me. And so here we are, and Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I've already forgiven your sin, but I need to know, do you love me more than all those things that fishing represents to you? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. You see, when Jesus said, Tend my lambs, feed my sheep, Feed my sheep. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, it's time for you to be restored. It's time for you to get back in the ministry. It's time for your life to start counting for God. It's time for you to forget that sin. It's time for you to move forward. I'm not bringing the sin up, throwing that in your face, but I'm wanting to know, do you love me more than anything else in your life? And let me just ask that question to those of us here today. Do you? Could you honestly say, That you love Jesus Christ more than you love your family, more than you love your job, more than you love the money from your job and the security from that and the enjoyment of whatever hobbies you have out there. You see, the thing that Jesus values more than anything else is whether or not our heart is with Him and whether or not we love Him and whether or not we trust Him. It's interesting to me that this restoration process took place at breakfast, a meal They were sitting down, they were eating, and they were spending time together. You see, one of the differences between forgiveness and restoration is forgiveness is immediate. You commit a sin, I commit a sin, we ask God to forgive us, it's done, it's forgiven. But restoration is a process, it takes time. And so that's what Jesus was doing, he was taking time. He's eating with these disciples and he's saying to Peter, I just need to know what's most important to you. I need to know, do you love me or do you love fishing where's your ultimate allegiance and so that's all that's very important in the restoration process so another difference between forgiveness and restoration forgiveness is normally done in private in other words we commit some sin we ask god to forgive us normally that is a private thing but restoration takes place in public in other words when God restores a person God doesn't do that in secret God does that right out there in front of everybody for the world to see because part of restoration is God affirming this person and God saying this is my not only my child this is my servant and and I am stamping my seal of endorsement on him in a public way and that's what Jesus was doing in front of these other disciples and then with what Peter would spend the rest of his life doing, it was very, a very public ministry. But it began by Jesus getting at the heart of what was going on on the inside of Peter and trying to figure out, trying to help Peter figure out, really, Jesus already knew, but helping Peter figure out what is my ultimate, ultimate allegiance or what is Peter's ultimate allegiance, ultimate Lord? Does he love me more than all of these things? And then the other thing I would say about restoration, now think about this. You see, if you have lost something, anything, hope, joy, peace, you've sinned, and now you've, you just feel like you're, you're just out of joint there. The devil would love to keep you in that. But God says to you, no, I am a healer. I mend broken things. I restore broken people. And God says, if you will let me perform a process of restoration in you, When I get finished with you, you're going to be stronger than you were before all this mess happened in your life. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied. Moses killed a man. David committed adultery and then had a man killed. Jonah ran from God. The apostle Paul, before he was saved, had people killed. After he was saved, still struggling with sin. Peter denied Jesus. And yet, what do all these people have in common? Here's what they have in common. They went on to do great things for God and they ended up fulfilling God's purpose and God's plan for their life, which says to me, the Christian life is not so much how we start or even if we're perfect along the way because actually none of us is going to be perfect along the way. We all stumble and fall in many ways. The key is, what do we do after we stumble? I mean, what do we do when we sin? Do we just let that sin just take us down? I was talking to our graduates at the service last Sunday night, and I was talking to them about purity, about being morally pure. And I made a comment to them that one of the parents of those kids came up to me later in the week and said, I really appreciate what you said. What I said to those kids was, I said, I challenge you as you begin your college years, make a commitment to be morally pure. And I said this, I said, you know, for the sake of the argument, if you've already lost your purity during high school, it would be very easy for you to say, well, I'm already not pure, and so I, I can never really be as pure as what I wish I would, and, and so since I've already messed up, now I have no incentive, and what difference does it make, and I might as well just go ahead and continue out there with some promiscuity in my life. See, that's how the devil gets in a person's mind. And I always say to students, listen, if you've messed up in the past in this area of purity, don't let that sin back then cause you to live the rest of your life being uh, sexually promiscuous. Just ask God to forgive you, accept his forgiveness, draw a line in the sand, and from this day forward you be clean. And that's that's the message of the Bible. That's the message of God. And that's what I'm saying today. If you're broken in some way, the devil would say, well, look, you're broken. It's not going to ever be like it would have been. That's not the message of God. The message of God is it can be what it could have been because God's grace... Remember this, Romans 5.20, it says, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So your sin is not greater than the grace of God. And you say, well, what about the consequences of my sin? Well, there are consequences to all of our sins. But here's what I'm saying. Is that even the consequences of your sin are not greater than the grace of God. The consequences of sin is not God punishing people after he's forgiven them. The consequences of sin are natural things that happen. For example, if a person for 20 or 30 or 40 years has been an alcoholic and he ends up asking God to deliver him from that lifestyle and he gets set free, Well, God has forgiven that person, and God is free. Now, that person may end up with a liver problem because of all the years. So when we talk about consequences, it's natural consequences. It's not God punishing you for sins that he's already forgiven and that he's already forgotten. But what God wants to do for all of us today, whatever it is we've lost, God says to us, take one step of faith. And if you'll take a step of faith, I'll help you. Go back. I want to show you one other passage in Matthew chapter 4. This happened 30, or three years earlier than the passage we're studying in John chapter 21. But we find Peter and his brother Andrew by the same Sea of Galilee. And at this point, they knew who Jesus was, but they were not one of his followers. And so Jesus came along in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, Matthew 4:18, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, now watch what Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so when Jesus said that, they left their, in fact, the next verse there talks about they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Three years later, after Peter's sin, he's gone back fishing. Jesus comes back. He's already forgiven him. Now he restores him. And then what happened? Jesus says to Peter. Follow me. What was Jesus saying? <laughs> Jesus very compassionately, and very graciously was saying, Peter, you know what you need? You need a new beginning. You need to start over. And you're going to start over where you started the first time, and that is by following me. And if you will follow me, I'm going I'm to reset this brokenness in your life. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to put you back in my service. Your life's going to count once again. And you are going to finish out your life doing what I called you to do to begin with. And so I want to say, again, I know we don't hear as much about restoration as we do forgiveness. But I, I'm, I come today really with good news. Not only does God forgive, God restores. And I would say to you today, anything that is broken or less than what it used to be, if you will take a step of faith, move toward God... Ask him to reset the broken bones in your life. He will do that, and you will become the person God originally intended you to be.
0: We hope that John's message today about God being a God of second chances has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message, along with many others, on the web at www.peacebybelieving.org. If you need to get your relationship with the Lord back on track, we have a booklet on our website that may be a help to you. It is entitled, The Lord is My Shepherd, How God Leads His Children. You can find it under the booklets tab or by going to peacebybelieving.org booklets. If you would like for us to pray for you and your restoration, please send us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next peace by believing with John Redmond.